Father, we just want to thank you, Lord. We just want to thank you, Father, for the third day of this fourth month. Lord, times of uncertainty, but Lord, we know that these days have been ordained by you for us, especially as a church. And therefore, Lord, even as we come to your throne room of grace, Father, because you enjoined us to come boldly and confidently to the throne room of grace, we ask you once again for your mercy this morning. To mer- for mercy, Lord, and for grace. We need your mercy not to deal with us according to our sins and our shortcomings. And we need your grace, Father, to overcome every sin and every offense in our lives that offends your holy name. And this morning, even as we, Father, meditate upon your word, Father, speak to our hearts. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Anoint us all, the hearing and the speaking, O Lord, that we might be strengthened, O Lord, that the word might go to the deepmost parts of our inner man and cause us to walk in your ways. Father, write your law on the tables of our heart and on our minds. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. And lead us into the way of everlasting life. To that end, I pray that you will bless the speaking and the hearing of this word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alrighty, so let's first turn our Bibles to First Timothy chapter six, or chapter one, verses six and seven. First Timothy chapter one, verses six and seven. It says, uh, therefore, sorry, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, apologize, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 and 7, uh, sorry for wasting your time. So therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir up. Okay, so these da- these days are days of stirring up. Now that word stirring up is so vital because uh, if you see when the is when the exodus from Babylon to Jerusalem takes place, I'm not talking about exodus out of Egypt, when the Israelites are coming down from coming back from Babylon to Jerusalem, it says those whose spirits the Lord had stirred up, they came back to build the house of God. Those spirits whom the Lord had stirred up and therefore uh, it's important for for us to be stirred up in our spirits it's just not be stirred up uh, once and just forget about it uh, but these days god has given us so that we'll be sufficiently stirred up and that will be that we will truly uh, go back and build what's uh, uh, lacking in our lives as we, as we have received as uh, the, the promise for the beginning of the year in the beginning of the year the promise for this year being rising rise up and build therefore stir up Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you uh, through the through the laying on of my hands. There's an impartation of the gift of God. And then verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Or discipline or self-control. See, uh, yesterday we've been uh, uh, looking at little children. And one of the things that we know that little children lack is self-control. Okay. And God is telling us 
that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but has, he has given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of sound mind. And one of the things that you've been uh, blessed with the filling of, your, of the Holy Spirit in our lives is when there is an increase Control, self-control. Uh, Proverbs chapter 25 was 28. If you will please. Proverbs chapter 25 was 28. It, it's a very powerful verse. 25, 28. 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28. It says, whoever has no, no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. Okay. So, if you are rising up and building, what what does it rising up and building mean? That we have control over our spirit. It says the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. First Corinthians chapter fourteen. You don't have to turn there. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Okay, so you don't lose control. You have you are in control. Okay, and that is what we are doing. We are disciplining ourselves. We are teaching our body. To be disciplined, to be, to be focused, especially these days, on the word, concentrate all the faculties of our, of our spirit and of our mind to, to, to lay aside every distraction and lay aside every weight and give ourselves to the teach, to the, to the instruction of the word of God. Okay. It's very important. Alright. So, he's not given us as a spirit of um, fear, but of power and of love and of self-control and both men and women are enjoined in this in this uh, exhortation. Um, if you turn with me to First Timothy chapter three and verse two, it says, um, "A bishop or an overseer must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate." You see that, and we know that his, his temperate means uh, he's he's not overindulging. He's not indulging in extremes. Is balanced, and he says sober-minded or self, self-controlled or having a sound mind, all right, of good behavior, hospitable. He's got the ability to teach, and how can you teach unless and until we are sober-minded, we are self-controlled, all right? Titus chapter two, verse two. He says that the older men be what sober, reverent, temperate. Sound in faith, in patience. Older men, men in general, okay. Be sober. That we, ha- we, we are supposed to have that self-control. We should be that, that, uh, that stabilizing influence in our homes and also in our churches. Okay. So we are not easily moved by any emotions or anything of that sort. We think through things. That is what God has given us. The ability not to be moved. It says, uh, Adam was not deceived, but Eve was deceived and fell into temptation. Okay, so we, we, we've, we've been given that gift by God that not, we are not easily moved and uh, to be sober-minded. Similarly with women too, it's not just for men, okay, for women too. Again, uh, same, Titus chapter 2 and verse 3, look at what it says. The older women likewise should be what? Reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, Teachers of good things, alright, that they admonish the young women, alright, to love their husbands, to love their children, and then verse 5, to be discreet, the same word, sober, okay, discreet means how discreetly you spend your time, 
your your money, the resources that God has given us, that you are, you think twice before you do any spending or any talking. Okay. No, don't be impetuous in, a, in, in any of the decisions that you make. So be sober, self-control, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of the Lord may not be blasphemed. Is it, isn't it? It's again, likewise exhort the young men to be sober-minded. Verse 6. He said, all these things, so one of the things that we are asked to do is to be self-controlled. And that should be the spirit which is in the church. A, a church which is self-controlled. When, when uh, in the world there is absolute mayhem going on, that we will have a set of people who are self-controlled. Why am I saying this? Why am I saying this? The end of the days is at hand. If you turn to Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, and verse uh, three, I uh, verse one and two. Second, Second Timothy chapter three, verses one and two. But now, but know this: that in the last days, what will come? Perilous times will come. Fierce times will come. Fierce times. And if 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 you know where this particular word "fierce" is mentioned, I mentioned, I I I, I, I spoke about this uh, some time back. It says in Matthew chapter eight, verse twenty-eight, you'll see a very interesting word. Matthew chapter eight, verse twenty-eight. Look at what it says. It says, "When he had come to the other side, to the Gadarenes, where he had to uh, drive out those demons, the legion of demons, to the country of Ga- 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 Gadarenes or Gergesenes here in this case, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce. You see the word exceedingly fierce? That is the same word for perilous times. Exceedingly fierce times will come. Times which are, which have, which have been uh, inspired by intense demonic activity. And that will increase in these last days. We, 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 are, we are seeing that. We are seeing that literally uh, unfolding in, right in front of our eyes. Increasing amount of demonic activity. Okay, increasing. It's just not reducing. Pe- people just losing control, left, right and center. So, what is a hallmark of a man who is delivered, therefore? Look at what it says of these people, or at least uh, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 35, about uh, about this man whom Jesus delivers. Okay, he sends those demons into the swine, right? Remember that? And then he, this is what he's talking about, the person who got delivered now. Luke's gospel chapter 8 verse 35. Look at what it says. Then they went out to see what happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed. Okay, fears, demons departed from him, sitting where? He was sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was clothed and he had what mind? The right mind. He had a sober mind, the same word. He had a sober mind. And what, how did he have a sober mind? He was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Okay, so you, you're delivered from the fierce spirit of this age, of the spirit of this age, but the only way that you can walk in the spirit of the age, I mean, not walk in the spirit of the age and walk in your deliverance is when you sit at the feet of Jesus, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus and in your right mind. How do you get this right mind, Baba? By sitting at the feet of Jesus. What happens when you are sitting at the feet of Jesus? Let me give you an example. Turn um, uh, to uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse, verses 1 and 2. 
Luke's Gospel chapter 8 verses 1 and 2. I'll tell you why I'm using this particular example. Mm, it says, uh, now it came to pass after that that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom how many demons went? Seven demons went. She was perfectly possessed, in other words. And God drove out all those seven demons from his life. And likewise, there were other women also, whom God healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. But something is very interestingly mentioned about Mary Magdalene. Turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. We know this verse very well. Now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village and certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister Mary who also what sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. What was happening to the man who was delivered from demons? He was sitting at the feet of Jesus. What was he doing? He he had his body clothed and he was in his right mind. How did he have a right mind? It says she was sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing his word. This is exactly what we want to do also in these days. We we want to learn to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word so that we can just not be delivered from our sicknesses and infirmities and demons but we also walk and learn how to walk in our deliverance. This is both, both are important. Just not to be delivered. Otherwise what will happen to this generation? This will be a generation, a perverse generation who will be delivered from their demons, but they are not filled with the word of God because they do not have the patience to sit at the feet of Jesus. They are distracted by so many things. One has been delivered, the other is distracted. Okay. Delivered from demons, what does she do? She said, and Jesus says in verse 42. Actually, let, let, let's read from verse, uh, Uh, 41 and 42. 41 and 42. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Meaning, your mind has been distracted into many, many different, different directions. Many things. This is very important, no? All of us learn, should learn to have focus. Okay. Focused to sit at one place and work. Where time stops for you. Right? Remember when we do certain things which are interesting? When we just keep working, 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 and we don't even know time has passed, and we are like, oh my goodness, time is over. So many hours. That's, that's exactly what happens when we watch a movie, right? We watch a very interesting movie. Oh, we watch, 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 watch. Oh my goodness, three hours? I didn't even feel like it. Why? You were so focused on that. You were not troubled by so many. So many other things. But unfortunately that same thing doesn't get carried over into the word of God or onto other things which are more important in life. And God is saying, Martha, Martha, you are troubled and distracted. So many things are are um, begging for your attention. Phone calls. Your phone forever is, dis- I mean, all the time, no? Uh, you have your phone, somebody's whatsapping, 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 yeah, that's a good word. Whatsapping, no? It gets, uh, it's, it's your, it's your, li- your life is absolutely distracted into so many different directions. You're not focused. And what we need in these last days is focused. And what did she say? But you're distracted with many things. What is needful? One thing is needed. 
Okay. See, uh, God has created us in His image. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which He has promised beforehand for us, that we should walk in them. But the problem is that we are distracted with so many works and we are not concentrated on that one work that God has ordained us for. And therefore it is important for us in these last days to have focus on that one thing. Why? Perilous times are there. Extremely fierce times are there. And we need self-control. And therefore we need to focus our faculties of our mind in that one thing that God has ordained for us. At this point, at this point, what is that one thing that God has ordained for us? He has shut down everything, sit at his feet and learn. Everybody. Okay, everybody have that mind to sit at his feet and say, Lord, let this be the time I want to just not have a right mind, walk in the right mind. Okay, why? First Peter chapter 4 verse 7, if you have the ESV, it'll be great. NIV or ESV? NIV or ESV? Um, that is, ESV is there? Okay. The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. You want to have a focused prayer life or a word life or a ministry? Practice self-control. Practice being sober-minded. Okay. Very important. Okay. Sober-minded. I mean, this is something which we've been doing, right? All these years. One thing is our focus. Thank God for us. At least God has given the special, special blessing. I would say we are privileged because we can focus on one thing. And we know that when we are focused on this thing, you know that the anointing is flowing. You know that you are being a blessing to others. And you are not being distracted with any other thing. Right? I mean, I've never seen Sami in one place for, uh, in one, 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 one time localized in one place for such a long time. <laughs> it's remarkable. It's good, Sami. Good to see you. <laughs> of course. I'm just taking an example here. Okay, don't get distracted. Don't get upset. I can take your example. Yeah, thank you, sir. <laughs> okay. You see, absolutely focused, not distracted in one thing. But why we need in these last days, we need it. Because you go out after 21 days. Okay. Boy. Just imagine after 21 days, what will happen? If the lockouts are, I mean, the lockdown is removed. Boy, so many things begging for our attention, isn't it? The waiting. They may not be bad things or wrong things, or evil things in and of themselves. But what are they doing? They're just taking our focus away from that one thing that God has asked us to be involved in. You understand? Okay, so we, we are practicing that. Okay. Like, like, like it says, Paul was involved in the word of God. I mean, I love that word. I just want to, I was searching for it in the morning. I couldn't get it. No, again, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that on the, uh, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. I'll, I just, um, I just want that focus, you know, for myself. Hours and hours and hours. 18? Acts 18, huh? If you know, if you can see, if you can find it for me, it's in my, th- if you can read Telugu, okay? <laughs> Alright. So, don't worry. It's involved in the word of God. Involve yourself. In the word of God. Here, for us, for us to teach, we want to, we want to be involved. I mean, we, we enjoy to learn and teach. For you, I hope that you'll practice learning the word of God and sit at the word of God. So be 
At the end of all things is near, therefore be self-controlled, other translations will use, alert and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Be watchful and prayerful. Both these things are important, right? Watch and pray. Like pastor was saying yesterday, the four things, remember? About about what God, Jesus enjoins us to do. Don't be deceived, don't be distracted, etc. And don't be watchful and be prayerful. Alright, so remember that, okay, so think soberly, look at what's again, uh, Proverbs chapter, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 12 verse 3, okay, it says, just giving you several verses to set the premise for today's study, for I say, through the grace of God given to me, everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly about yourself, if you have to think soberly about yourself, you have to <laughs> sit at his feet. As God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. Be in your right mind in order for us to, So you have to not just be in your right mind, you have to stay in your right mind. Okay, at any given point in time, you're not just moved. That your faculties, you're conscious about, about uh, the work of God. Okay, absolutely focused. And you're not distracted. You're not turning to the left. On That's why he says, don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Stay on that straight and narrow path. And therefore, in order to do that, meditate upon your word. All right. Why? 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 Why this? Focus on self-control. Turn to... Yeah, for, turn to first, uh, Second Timothy chapter three, verse one on one onwards. One onwards, yeah. But know that in these last days, what will come? Perilous times will come, in which and when we are living in the last days. Okay, when did the last days start? Anybody knows when the last days started? Hebrews chapter one, verse one and two. Yeah. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. We are, that means the moment Jesus ascended into heaven, the last day started. And like pastor was saying, we may not have war in our generation, but every generation prepared for war. Every generation prepared as though Christ would come in that generation. Okay. So every gener- the moment Jesus ascended into heaven, everyone, including Paul and Thessalonian church, I mean, they were all, they were thinking that Jesus would come in during that time. And John would say, he says, my little children, we are in the last hour. Boy, and this is, he's talking about 2000 years. Almost 2000 years ago. And now, we are in the last of the last days for sure and everybody says that everybody says that and therefore because we are living in the last of the last days it is very important see when you know that the exam is reaching is approaching one of the things that you do most of the time is like okay at least 30 days from the exam you're doing so many other things 15 days of the exam the things are the, the other things that you're doing are is getting lesser and lesser and lesser at least 10 days before the exam you are at least if you are a if you want to get good marks or something, you, you're focused. Ten days, you shut down everything, you sit with your books and you're studying. Okay. 
Why? I don't want to waste my energies and my time. I should be absolutely focused. Look at what it says in First Corinthians chapter nine, uh, verse uh, twenty-four. If you can read it, you can put it in an NIV, please. It'll be good. First uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-four onwards. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way that you get the prize. Everyone who's compete who competes in games goes into strict training. Okay, this is strict training for us. They do it to get a crown that will la- that will not last, but we do it get to get a crown which will last forever. Put this in mind. Today's sermon is don't let anybody steal your crown. That's today's title. Okay, very important. Just go to the previous verse, bro. Okay, everyone who competes in games goes into strict training. It's uh, uh, other translations will use is temperate in all things. Your translation, right? Okay, uh, strives. He who strives for mastery, it says, is the word is agonizes. Okay, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Don't let anybody steal your crown. Is today's title, but anyways, we'll come to that. Therefore, what should we do? We need to be Temperate, self-controlled in all things. And look at what he says. And he he says, this is what he does. Second verse, verse 26. Therefore, I do not like a, like, run like a man who is running aimlessly. First thing, he says, by this time I know what my aim is. I'm not missing my mark. See, for him, the definition of sin has changed now. It is not that he's not, he's not, he's, uh, he's watching pornography or he's messing up with something else. No, 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 no. He is, he's, he's not even talking about sin anymore. He's talking about weight. He's got his aim on the price. He's, he's absolutely aimless. Uh, and with, with, uh, he's absolutely focused on his aim. He's not aimless. Then he says, I do not fight like a man beating the air. Uh, actually, uh, uh, the, the new latest NIV, NIV says, boxing in the air. So he says, every time I use my fist to box, it hits target. And if you see in a boxing match, lot of punches go in the air. Okay. So what? Like Muhammad Ali was supposed to be the greatest uh, uh, heavyweight champion because he had excellent footwork. He would know how to tire the opponent. That fellow would come raging like a bull. This fellow is to dodge, dodge, dodge. That's what that the term fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee came from him because he would dodge, 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 and one punch, target, boom. And that would just totally disorient that guy. Okay, and see, because they're all heavyweight champions, right? They are fit like a, like a, like a, like, like anything, no? They're absolute, real, real fit. They can go till 12 rounds and this guy, so he waits and waits and waits and dodges, dodges and he's calculating his punches and every time he's punching, he's hitting target. And then comes the final, no? He's dodging, dodging, boom. And that punch is 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 he completely, you know, uh, puts him on the back foot, and once he sees his opponent is weak, he goes for the kill. Knockdown, KO. No, he's Paul is saying the same thing. He says every time I punch, I'm hitting target. You understand what I'm saying? 
So he is like absolutely focused. He says, I don't want to lose my energies. We have only limited energy, Baba. As long as we are in this body. That is the reason why he says, I beat my body and bring it to subjection. He is talking about as long as we are in this body, we know that we have only limited amount of energy. Okay. Alright, when you are young, maybe you can do a lot of other things, but even as you grow older, you have to be really, really conserve, conservative about your, about how you spend your energy, energies and your, and your, uh, and your mind as well. Both. Very, very absolutely focused and even when you are reading books, for example, don't just read indiscriminately. Ask the Spirit of the Lord to direct you to those books which will help you in your walk with Him and also help you in the in the process of growing with the Lord. See, um, uh, like the other day, you know, I was having a discussion with one of my relatives. You no, know? he was asking me, Vijay, what are you reading these days? Uh, I looked at him. I said, the Bible. And he started laughing. I said, Vijay, what an answer to give. Because, you know, a lot of people don't read the Bible in a year. They would have read several other books in a year. About the Bible. So this year, I, 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 in, in fact, I did that, no, last year. When I, I, I was reading so many other things. But when it came to the study of the word of God, by the end of the year, I was panting to finish the Bible. But then I said, no, this year I'm going to do something totally different. Okay. Spend time in the written word. Otherwise, I'll just be boxing in the air. I'll be losing a lot of time. Which is the inspired work? This, not any other book. It could have been an exposition of the word of God, but this is the inspired book. Nobody can authoritatively say that whatever they have written, like Paul says, I also have the mind of Christ. No. Nobody can say that. It doesn't matter how great they are, how incredibly brilliant they are, how incredibly gifted and anointed they are. They don't have the authority to say that what they have written is really inspired by the by the Spirit of God. No. So get focused. Read the Bible more. I, I was I was I was inspired. I was inspired by what pastors uh, said in one of the pastors' conferences. He said, "Don't read books about the Bible. Read the Bible." more. And read. So when you're reading, yes, you need to read. I'm not saying we are, I'm not discrediting reading at all. But ask the Lord. You read by faith. Like pastor said, I read my Bible by faith. Read others, other books also by faith. Don't read, um, I don't know, books which will, uh, which will just stimulate you intellectually. But not inspire you spiritually. There's so many books like that. Hurry, what a thought. Thoughts are thoughts, okay, great. You see, it could, it, like Pastor said, no, it, it could be only in the holy place. We need the most holy place kind of a ministry. And there's only one thing, it says all scripture, it doesn't say all books. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it is every part of scripture is God breathes profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, so that a man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So spend a lot of time here and spend also reading books where the Lord will lead you to. Ask God. Ask God. Okay. So you might have several books and Ask God to zero in on those books which will help you. Don't just read anything indiscriminately. You know what you're doing? You're beating the air. You're aimless. How much of aimless things we do, right? 
So many aimless things which don't profit. Cut them off, cut them off, cut them off, cut them off. It says, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. That's, that's one thing, no? Because when you are striving for mastery, um, therefore we also surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the, the race that is set before us. Go back to First Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 9 now, it, the last part we were looking at. Okay, so uh, don't run aimlessly. Uh, but I discipline my uh, verse 26. Yeah. Uh, Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it to subjection, lest when I have, have preached to others, I myself should be, should become disqualified. In other words, I might lose my prize. He's not talking about salvation here. He's not talking about eternal uh, wrath and punishment. No, he's talking about disqualified. Okay. So in what days are we? In the last days. Oh, I hope so. We understand that. Okay. You know, if you read through the Bible, there is one particular passage in the Bible which inspires us specifically as to what kind of attitudes we need to have so that we can be successful in the last days. Okay? Alright. Let's go turn to Genesis chapter 49 now. Mm-hmm. And read from verse 1 onwards. Like, look at this. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I might tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Okay. Underline last days. Okay. What shall befall? Actually, uh, if you read the heading in your Bible, the, it says the blessing or that Jacob gives his children. Okay. So let's see. How much time we have, we'll, depending upon that, we will uh, try to uh, see as many as we can. And Jacob called his sons and said, gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. First. Second, gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel. You be- It's beautiful, no? First he's talking, he says, you, all your sons of Jacob come. That means you're, you're all physically my children. But are you spiritually my children? Listen to Israel, your father. Now he's saying, as Israel, I'm saying. They are not all Israel who are of Abraham. Okay. Understand? So, let's read on. First, he talks about Reuben. You are my firstborn. My might, the beginning of my strength. The excellency of my dignity and the excellency of power, unstable as water, you shall not excel because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it, he went up to my couch. Next verse. Simeon and Levi are brothers, instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter into their council, let not my honor be united to their assembly, for in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Stop. Three tribes. Who are they? Reuben, Simeon, Levi. What is this called? The blessing of Jacob. Kya baat hai? Okay. Why is it a blessing for Jacob? 
A warning to those people are Rubens in God's kingdom. A warning to those people who are what? Simeons and Levites in God's kingdom. And if you have these kind of attitudes, this is what is going to befall you in the last days. Understood? So let us go step by step. What are these attitudes that we should not have first? And what are the attitudes that we should have? Okay, so here, the attitudes that we should not have. See, can I tell you, can I ask you a question? If, 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 honest question, we have more attitudes we should not have. Am I right? And very few attitudes that we should have. Right? I always seen that. See, actually, in fact, the attitudes that we should have is actually very little only. What is that? Focus and hard work. And associated with that will come so many other things. But attitudes which you not have to take away us from our focus and our hard work are many. That is something which you need to identify. And what does the word Ruben mean? Look, a son. That's what it means. Ru, Ben. <laughs> ben means son. Ru means, huh, look, behold, a son. That's what it means. And that's exactly what happens to all of us when we are born again. Of the spirit and the word of God. Look, a son, as many as have believed in him. Let's turn to one John, John's gospel chapter one, please. John's gospel chapter one and verse, <clears throat> excuse me, tw- uh, wait, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, beautiful. He says, as many as have received him, to them he gave the, you know the, what the word right? Authority, exosia, not dunamis. He gave them the exosia or the authority to be the children of God or the sons of God to those who believe in his name. And the next verse, who were not born. Who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of the man, will of man, but of God. So when when God has birthed us, you know what He says: "Behold, a son. Behold, a son." That's exactly what He told about His son also, His firstborn. What did He say? Today I have begotten thee. When did He beget Jesus Christ? When He rose Him from the dead, He begot Jesus. Okay, Romans chapter one. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, 2 and 3. Actually, verses 1, yeah, 1 to 4. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. It says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Okay. So when we actually went into the waters of baptism and we came out, you know what God said? Behold, a son. A son is born. And what am I going to give him? Let's go back to Genesis 49, verse 3. Verse uh, 3, yes. Reuben, behold, a son. What are you? You are my firstborn. You are my might and the beginning of my strength. The Excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. You know what I've given you? I've given you authority. 
as many as have received him, he gave them the authority to be called the children of God. The authority, you are my first, you behold a son, I birthed a son, I birthed in my spirit a son. But what are you? Verse 1, verse 4. It says, first, you are unstable as water. Second, you shall not excel. Third, because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it, he went up to my couch. First thing, what are you? You are unstable. You know what the word unstable means? Pakas. Pakas means reckless. It's got several connotations. Recklessness, wantonness, unbridled license, frothiness. A light person is not very serious. Very casual. Unstable. How are you unstable like? Like water. Have you seen water? It takes the shape of the vessel into which you pour it. That means it doesn't have a, a personality of its own. It doesn't have any convictions of its own. That's why it says, faith is a substance of the things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. This guy is unstable as water because he has no convictions of his own. And because he has no convictions of his own, he is easily movable. One of the pictures. He's wanton. He's reckless. He's got unbridled license. He's frothy. What the word frothy, you know what word frothy means? Light and entertaining but devoid of substance. That's the dictionary meaning. Light and entertaining but devoid of substance. That is frothy. That's what it means. It's like cotton candy. Candy cotton. Have you seen candy cotton? It looks so big. Up, up, up. Three, three bites, it's over. Oh, I thought it was so big. You see? Frothy. What are you? You have, behold a son? Yeah. Behold, I've given you excellence and dignity. You're the beginning of my strength. Excellence in dignity. Excellence in power. But you are what? Unstable. Unstable. You are my might. You are my might. The beginning of my strength. But you are unstable. Pakas. Wantonness, unbridled license, frothy. That's exactly what is happening even in these last days, right? See, uh, what is one of the characteristics of water? Water flows and it always chooses a particular path. What path does it choose? Yeah, the it, it chooses a path of least resistance. Now let me explain that to you again. Uh, what, it, what does it mean to choose a path of least resistance? Let us say you stop water. Okay, you stop it. No, that's what we call as a dam. Okay. One of the things that you need to do when you're constructing a dam is that you ensure there are no breaches in your dam. Okay. It is not that it doesn't have power. It pushes through places in your life which are not strong. 
which have no breaches, which are which are not which have not been strengthened. So the it comes through the weak areas in your life. So what do what do they do when they when they when they construct dams? They ensure they do a thorough examination and ensure that there are no breaches in the wall. And whenever they find one, what do they do? They ensure that they close it, right? See, God has given us tremendous power, but He has to harness it. Okay. Uh, let me tell you something. I, I, let me rephrase that statement, st- sentence. God wants us to give, wants to give us, wants us to, wants us to have tremendous power. But the point is, can we be absolutely under His control so that we can be directed wherever He wants us to go? That's exactly what He says. Children, no, sons are a heritage. Right? That's what it says in Psalm 137. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. And what is Reuben? Behold a son. Sons are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward as arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. So are my sons. So happy is a man who's got his quiver. So how do you make an arrow? You sharpen it and sharpen it. You take off all those rough edges and you put it in your Quiver so that at the appropriate time you use it. That means that guy has become absolutely under the control of the person whom he is being mentored with by. It's very important. So Reuben is, Reuben is a son, but he's un, unstable as water. So what, what, what do we, what, 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 what do we need? We don't need frothy teaching. Lot of sound and fury signifying nothing as Shakespeare says. We need substance in our teaching. We need meat. We don't, we don't need light stuff. We need to have light meals and heavy word. What do we have in these last days? We have light word and heavy meals. But of course, we are now here in GTC. In these days, we are having heavy meals and heavy word also. <laughs> so, but we <laughs> we are perfectly balanced. I don't know, <laughs> but that that has to change. Okay, light meals, heavy word. Light meals, heavy word. Okay, so don't be light. Look at what it says in Zephaniah chapter three, verses one to five. I want to show you a verse. Zephaniah chapter three, verses one to five. Woe to her who is rebellious and polluted to the oppressing city. She has not obeyed his voice. She has not received correction. She has not trusted in the Lord. She has not drawn near to God. Why? Who is this Jerusalem? Her princes in her midst are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. Kya baat hai? One is a lion, the other is a wolf. They leave not a bone till morning. They just eat up everything. And look at that. Her prophets are insolent. You know what the word insolent comes from? Pachaz or light. What are they? Light. You have NIV? Just put uh, 3, 4. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 4 in NIV please. Um, or ESV maybe. Yeah. 
yes we also is fine or KJ, actually kjv is good uh, her prophets are fickle you seen that <laughs> that's a word her prophets are what fickle that means what what are they unstable and what are they treacherous men her priests profane what is holy they do violence to the law and the next verse verse 5 but therefore what happens the lord within her is righteous he does no injustice every morning he shows forth his justice each dawn he does not fail but the unjust knows no shame why because of prophets prophets they are light the people who are supposed to teach the word do daily devotions I'm not saying daily devotions are wrong. Daily devotion, you can leave, leave it to other people. But you are supposed to teach the word. Teach the meat of God's word. The problem is, even though people are ready to teach, people are not ready to learn. Is the point. So can we endure sound doctrine Is these in these last days? Okay, so it says, first thing, you're unstable as water. Why? What are you? You're reckless. What are you? You're wanton. You have unbridled, what, license. You're frothy. Or you're not a serious person. You're a light person. You know what's a, often sentence people use in the, in the, among children? Light this ko mama. Are take it light re. Light. Picha light. Have you heard, have, have you heard those sentences? But in the, in the kingdom of God, no, there's no picture light. If you do pitcher light, he will take you pitcher light. He's got used to a lot of uh, Telugu uh, words. Okay, good, good, good. Very nice. <laughs> okay. So this is very important, no? Don't just take anything lightly. Lightness. You know what he says? I've seen in the prophets of my people, lightness. He says in the book of Jeremiah. Lightness, chapter 6 actually, don't have to turn there. Chapter 6, verse 14. He says, lightness in the prophets of Jerem- of my people. They don't heal the do- daughter of, the, 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 the wounds of my, of the daughter of my people. But you know what they say? Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Light. Lamentations 2, verse 14. Lamentations 2, verse 14. Your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have uncovered your iniquity to bring back your captives, but have envisioned for you false prophecies and delusions. Boy, you're deluded. No way. Verse, uh, Ezekiel chapter 13 was 88 to 10. Ezekiel chapter 13 was 8 to 10. And then we'll go to the Next point. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense. <laughs> that. <laughs> Beautiful. You have spoken nonsense and envisioned lies. Therefore, I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. Next verse. My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility, who divine lies. In other words, they call lie divine. What are you? I am a divine. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor shall be written in the record of the house of Israel. God says, I'm going to blot out those fellows from the book, from my record, from my register. Nor shall they enter into the land of Israel. They shall not know that I am the Lord God. And next verse, because indeed, because they have seduced my people saying, peace when there is no peace, and one builds a wall, and they plaster it with what? Untempered mortar. And look at what the, what the next word says. 
Say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be a flooding rain and you know all your breaches will be exposed all your weak areas will be exposed you see that's exactly what is happening it's a parable in our in our own generation there's a there's a virus which is spreading out and you know what is testing it's testing the immunity system of the people right and whoever has got underlying issues gone it is it is making its breach through those defenses and killing people and telling us how frail we are. We have, we don't have a strong immune system to sicknesses from outside. And similarly, God is saying, as a parable, you do not have a strong immune system to sicknesses and demonic activity from outside. Do you have sufficient uh, white blood cells in your body which can fight off your blood? How's your blood? Have you eaten my word sufficiently, the meat of God's word, so that you have sufficient enzymes flowing in the in your spiritual veins to fight off and ward off the enemy? Otherwise, people will say, physician, heal yourself first. There are so many things God is exposing in our lives physically to show that our immune system is not strong. It's a parable saying, if I were to send you a delusion of spirit, of the, of the same spiritual proportions, do you have the sufficient immunity in your system not to allow the breaches to open up? Or are you unstable? It's a parable. So first thing, you are unstable. I have given you excellency in power and excellency in dignity. Reuben, go back to Reuben in chapter 49. You're un, you, you, I have given you excellency of dignity and excellency of power, but you shall not excel. Verse 4. You shall not excel. Why? Because you fell into sexual sin. You know, this is one of the most curious things in our uh, in our generation. Very, very, we have to be extremely careful and absolutely ruthless about it. Two verses to scare us. First, okay? Let me scare you sufficiently. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 14. I learned this from Pastor Vijay James when he came uh, to... Uh, to Grace Home and the last, that was his last Bible studies I heard. This is what he says. Okay. The mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit. He is abhorred by the Lord will fall in it. Actually, other translations will say, he who is accursed of the Lord will fall into sexual sin. Is it there in any of the NASB, etc.? I don't know. It's, it's not. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Who, the mouth of an adulteress, 22 verse 14, other translations, a deep pit. He who is under the Lord's wrath will fall into it. NASB. Curse of the Lord will fall into it. 22 14. Cursed of the Lord. Okay. So, if you have no control... On your sexual appetites, chances are this is your this is your condition. Ecclesiastes seven twenty six. Okay, can I read this? And I find more bitter than death. 
Look at this. I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases the Lord shall escape from her. But the sinner shall be trapped by her. Wow! That is the reason why our constant prayer is, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one, the wicked one, the poneros. He who pleases the Lord shall escape from her. Other translation, he who fears the Lord escapes from her. And that's exactly what Abraham has to say when he goes to Gerar. He says, there is no fear of God in this place. And I know if I say, she is my wife, they are going to kill me and take her. There is no fear of God. It says, he who pleases the Lord or fears the Lord shall escape from the, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. Two verses to scare us. So what was the problem with Reuben unbridled sexual appetites? Unbridled. It's just an, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, a revelation of a deeper thing that you don't have self-control. Okay? Now, point here though is, Reuben has been given such a fantastic start or, a, or positionally he had this capacity to be the firstborn and enjoy the dignity and the excellency of power of his father and really be strong. But what was his problem? His problem was unbridled appetites, license, frothy life, lightness towards sin, unstable as water. It was a pachaz in the Hebrew. It sounds very gross, no? Pachaz. You pachaz means unstable fellow, light fellow, worthless fellow. You can type, we can actually title today's sermon, Are you pachaz? Thank God I'm not Pakas but Prakash. That's my last name. Second name. The point though here is, how did he reach this point? That he allowed himself to fall into sexual sin. See, nothing happens in your life by chance. When God has given you, he says, Ruben means what? Behold the son. But after he has birthed you in a spirit, he still wants us to exercise our free will and to make choices according to his word. That is the reason why he says in First Peter chapter 2, laying aside all malice and superfluity and every, all guile and all hypocrisy like newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word of God so that you may grow up in your salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So desire the pure milk, pure milk of the word of God. That milk of the word of God which is full of cholesterol. Right? The nursing babies have uh, milk, mothers have full of cholesterol. And you that's very important for the child, for her mental uh, makeup and her, her growth. Because it's got nutrients which ordinary other milks don't have. They have a lot of other things in that. So he says, so nothing happens by chance. You made a set of, set of choices. You got distracted easily with certain things in your life. 
There are a series of attitudes and choices that you have developed in your life which have caused you to come into this place, into, into the situation that you are in. God wants to bless us. You, do, you think that's what he says. If you being evil fathers want to give good gifts to your children, how much more your father in heaven will give you what? The Holy Spirit, if only you ask. So what are the choices he made? What was the way? How did he end up in this position? Turn to Genesis chapter 30, please. And read, let us read from verse 14 onwards. Now, everybody, look at this. Now Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest and found what? Mandrakes. Hey, what did you go for? Wheat. What did you find? Mandrakes. This is your problem. This is your problem. You not only found mandrakes, you brought them home also. You know what the word mandrake actually means in the Hebrew? It means that which arouses sexual passions. It comes from two, the word mandrake in the English comes from two words, man and drake. Man means man. Drake means dracha, means dragon. Etymology. Just go and do, look up the etymology of the word mandrake. Dracha means dragon. So you went to harvest the field to get souls into the kingdom. In, in, instead you got what? Dragons into the kingdom. Mandrake. That which arouses sexual passions. Unnecessary sexual passions. Careful brothers. Don't get distracted with mandrakes in God's field. Right? You go to your office. What does, what did Jesus say in John's Gospel chapter 4 verses 27 to 38 onwards? Uh, 20, 27 onwards, okay? And at this point his disciples came and they marveled as he was talking with a woman. He was, th- they were thinking that something like mandrakes was going on with Jesus. Nothing. Yet no, no one said in a word, what do you say? Why are you talking with her? Look at what he says. The woman then left her water pot, went into her city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She is absolutely involved in the ministry. Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. And look at what he says. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know of. Therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? This is exactly the problem. Any time he makes a spiritual statement, they take it into an equivalent uh, physical statement. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In other words, I do not want to get distracted with the mandrakes. Verse 35, my mission statement. Do you not say, do you not say, that means all of us say. Right, that's what it means, right? Do you not say, that means all of you say. That there are four months. What are we? Light. Ah, It's still, still four months for harvest. Time for harvest. What are we light? We are light about the things of God. What do we have? We have a Reuben's attitude. Which you are not supposed to have. 
There are still four months and then comes the harvest and he says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields and what do you find? You'll find wheat. But what do you see? Mandrakes. That's what happens to many people. They go to the office and they say, my office is my mission field. And there will be one mandrake over there. And instead of winning souls for the kingdom, they get distracted by mandrakes. And they bring them home also. And in other words, they get married to her or him. Now got distracted. What did you go out for? Wheat. What did you get get home? Mandrake. That's your problem, Ruben. Unbridled passions. And look at what he says. Do not say there are four months and then comes harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are they're already white for harvest. Question is, do we see harvest wherever, wherever we are? In other words, do we really have the burden for Christ? Saying, Lord, nothing else satisfy me, satisfies me only when I win souls into the kingdom. It satisfies me. He who reaps in tears will bring up with what? Rejoicing. Bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing. Bringing in the sheaves. You know why? We have never sowed in tears. And therefore we don't have a harvest. We sowed in mandrakes and we are reaping mandrakes. We have sown mandrakes. So even when we go to the field, we get distracted by the mandrakes. That's exactly what happened to Jesus, right? Jesus was there sitting in Simon's home. He was looking at the field. And Simon was looking at the mandrake. It all depends upon how you see. If he was really a prophet, he would have known what kind of a woman she is. Hey, that's your problem. That's your problem. You're getting distracted. I see something, you see something else. You don't have my eyes. That, that's exactly what Pastor was saying. You need to have the eyes. Whenever you're going on the roads, you need to have those eyes which see the harvest. We should see the harvest. Not mandrakes. Not mandrakes, my dear brothers. Not mandrakes. And goes as, do you not say, there are four months, the next verse, white for the, the fields are white, uh, white for the, already white for the harvest, and he says, he who reaps what? Receives wages, and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows, and he who reaps, may rejoice. And then he says, for, this is the saying, this saying is true, one sows, another reaps. That's what he says, Paul says, Paul plants, Apollos waters, who gives the increase? God gives the increase, but he who sows and he who waters is nothing, but God who gives the harvest is everything, but be careful how you sow and what you sow. 
And then look at what he says, verse, verse 9. I sent you to reap for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Are you laboring for the kingdom of God? Do you have the attitude to labor? Are you getting distracted with mandrakes? And this is the time to get rid of all our mandrakes. Really? I'm serious to myself. I was actually preparing yesterday. You know, when I, I was getting this, when exactly when Pastor was talking about self-control, this is the words which came to my mind. I wrote down the title as From Anger to Righteousness. But I'll tell you why I wrote it. But uh, now let nobody else steal your crown. I'll tell you why I came to anger to righteousness. And then I was starting starting to study uh, Genesis chapter 49 and the Lord was speaking to me. He says, see, look at Reuben. Look at, the, behold a son. Just because he didn't have self-control, what he lost? What he lost? Are we involved in the ministry? Are we involved in the ministry of gathering the harvest? And Jesus said, he who does not gather with me, scatters abroad. That's what you are doing. He who does not gather with me, scatters abroad. Either you are scattering, my dear brothers and sisters, or you are gathering. You are not neutral. You are gathering either wheat for the harvest, or you are gathering mandrakes. Don't get distracted in your offices with mandrakes. In your schools, in your colleges with mandrakes, there are so many mandrakes. You don't become a mandrake. You don't dress like a mandrake. Men and women these days dress like mandrakes. Unnecessarily. I mean, I, t- I was telling one of the youth meetings, you know, the other day. I, I started, I, I taught in, uh, IIIT for eight years, you know. Every year, the, sk- the skirts get shorter and the blouses get tighter. Eight years. And what do they do? Every time they come to the professor, they do a song and dance. It's unstable. Mandrakes everywhere. Behold, I'm sending you as laborers into a field full of wheat and mandrakes. Be careful with the mandrakes. God says. Let not the mandrakes destroy. Mandrake could be anything else. It just distracts you from your goal and your purpose. That's exactly what happened, right? So don't ever think that even an anointed king is not fallible. Second Samuel chapter 11 verses 1 and 2. How a great man falls. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. What are you supposed to do, Baba? Go and fetch the harvest. Be at war for souls. Kneel down in prayer. Seek for the lost. Ask God for a burden to build the body of Christ. And what are you? The Ark of the Covenant. Joab and my Lord's servants are in the field fighting. What are you doing? Sleeping. Taking a nice siesta. Verse verse 2. And it happened one evening that David arose from his bed. One evening. That means he took a nice siesta. Now that's a luxury. Right? To taking a siesta is a luxury, Baba. For a for a soldier. For a soldier, they they are supposed to do sentry duty, no? 
two hours you be, you be there awake, I'll be guarding. Rest of you sleep. Everybody take does sentry duty for two hours. That means their sleep is also controlled. What is what is happening over here? This man is enjoying life while others are fighting. He's got lot of time for siesta and become a prime target for collecting mandrakes now. What is he going to do? Collect a mandrake. Just started with mandrakes. The king anointed. That is the reason why we need to ask God, tell me Lord, what is lawful and what is not lawful? Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Onwards. It says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Aha, see that? If anything is overpowering you, that has become a mandrake basically. It's, un- it's unbridled passions as I, sa- as I said. Desires should not become ungodly desires. Lusts should not become ungodly lusts. Okay. Desires are not, is, is not a problem over desire. Desire for the wrong thing is a problem. Desire for the right thing is absolutely okay. That is the reason why men are asked to work hard when they are young. Not get distracted with so many things. Have an avocation. So that you will be tired by the time you come back home. You will have worked, 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 worked. After you come back home, sleep. Worked, 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 come back home, sleep. The problem is, we are living in a generation, even when you go to office, you get distracted by mandrakes, not be not necessarily people around in your computer. Look at what it says in verse 13. Foods for the stomach, stomach for the foods. But God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. You see that? You see that? He's definitely talking about two areas. One is the stomach which is your normal appetite, and the second one is your sexual appetite. Okay? Next verse. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise you up. He says, do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make the members of a harlot? Certainly not. And verse... uh, Yeah, we know this verse. Uh, He was joined to the harlot is one one body with her. Verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You see that? Very dangerous. Very, very, very dangerous. You see that? Why? Why did you? Because you've given yourself with unbridled authority. I mean, sexual appetites. You do not exercise the authority that God has given you over your own appetites. God has given us a lot of authority and power. That is the reason why he says, when I come to you, I will not look at your words, but but I will look at your power. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of word, but of power. Demonstration of his power in our lives. Not power in ministry, power over our own sin.
Let's go back. Mandrakes. Don't get distracted by those mandrakes. That's what happened to happened to uh, Reuben. And therefore, Genesis chapter 49 and verse 3 and 4. Um, 4, actually verse 4. It says, unstable as water, you shall not excel. What does it mean? I have given you excellency of power and dignity, but you shall not excel. What does it mean? You will not have what? You will not have authority. You know what that means? It means that you will lose your testimony. You will lose your testimony. And people will not listen to you. Even though you have a position called the firstborn in your house, but people will not listen to you. You will not have any control over your other brothers. See, Jesus when he taught, he had what? Authority. Pharisees when they taught, people wanted to run for their lives. When Jesus taught, he arrested them with the authority of the Spirit of God. That even the servants who came from the Pharisees went back and said, nobody spoke like this man. That is how he had authority. Why? Because he exercised authority over his own body. He came under authority. He obeyed parents. He obeyed his elders. He obeyed little, little things in his life. And he increased in stature and in wisdom and in authority. You will not excel. Means what? You will lose your authority. You will not be able to, I wrote, I wrote this on, you will not be able to influence people with your position. You will only be influenced, you will be able to influence people by the authority that is over your life. Did Jesus have a position? No. <laughs> but no, so, so when he went to the, the temple and he drove out the money changers, nobody questioned him and they came, came back and asked him, who gave you this? Authority. Pharisees had a position, but they did not have authority. They completely compromised with the situation in the temple. They completely compromised. And that's exactly what has happened in these days. There is a leadership which has compromised and all kinds of merchandise is going on the house. They have a position of eldership. They have a position of leadership. They have a position in the church, but they do not have the authority to drive out all the nonsense from the, ch- from the church. Youth leaders, they don't have the authority to drive out all the nonsense amongst the youth. Because they themselves are compromised. They have a position as a youth leader, but they are not able to influence the people in their generation because they themselves are compromised. Leaders don't have the authority. Do you see that Jesus, one thing, nobody asked him, who gave you this position? No! They said, how from where did you get this authority? You see, you need to have authority, my dear brothers and sisters. That is the reason why when Jesus looks at him, he looks at that guy, he says, I have not seen such such great faith. Who does he look at? The centurion. You know why? What the centurion says? I am also a man under authority. I tell people, go, he goes. I tell people, come, he comes. I am a man under authority. Meaning what? Because I am a man under authority, I have authority. People listen to me. Because I'm a man under authority. What does a man under authority do? Second Timothy chapter 2. Verses 1, 2, 3. 1, 2 and 3. 
Actually, you therefore, my son, be strong. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And these things which you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit this to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In verse 3, you must therefore endure hardship as a what? As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What is a soldier? Who is a soldier? You know who is a soldier? He is at the border. He's he's having the AK-47 in his hand. Kloshnikov, huh? what, what do you call it? Kloshnikov in his hand. He's dressed. He's got his helmet. He's, he's dressed in camouflage. He's at the border. And across the border, there'll be a Pakistani guy who's taunting him. He's like, he's got anger boiling down from in his, in his, in his guts. But will he shoot one bullet? No. No, 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 no. If he shoots, shoots one bullet, he might have killed one Pakistani, but he'll be court-martialed. He'll be court-martialed. Because you're not moved by situation. You're moved by instruction from authority. You have authority. Why? You know why Jesus had authority? Because he was never moved by situations. Why did Elijah have authority? Because he was never moved by situations. He was completely under the influence of his father. And whenever his father asked him to move, he moved. That's exactly Elijah. He said, you know what? As the Lord God of Israel, before whom I stand, according to my word, there'll be no rain. And then he receives instruction. Okay? Go there. After that again, for three and a half years, he receives instruction. Go there. And then after he is completely refined in the furnace of affliction, he goes to Mount Carmel and he defeats the prophets of Baal. You know why? He exercises what? Authority. Authority. Why did people turn their hearts to the God of Israel? Why did people turn their hearts to the God of Israel? You know why? There was one Elijah who was exercising authority. Because he was a man under authority. We have, and he says, you will not excel, means you will not have authority, you will not be able to influence people. And Jesus has never moved. Look at what it says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And verse 4, look at what he says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with civilian affairs or affairs of this life. Why? That he wants to please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You know what it says? Without faith it is impossible to please God. Okay? Without faith it is impossible to please God. Whoever walks in the flesh cannot please God. That means if you walk in the flesh, you are not walking by faith. He who is enlisted as a soldier pleases who he has appointed. Whoever does not come under authority is not walking under faith. He is walking in the flesh and therefore he will not be able to please God. Therefore, walking under authority means you're walking by. People, if you're, if you're a rebel and you don't have authority over your life, boys, and let, uh, let me tell you, categorically speaking, you have no authority to influence your generation. Categorically. You have no authority to influence a generation. You know why? Because you're compromised. You have no head. You will not excel. You will not excel. How do I know this about about uh, Reuben? Turn to Genesis chapter 38. 
And verse uh, 17, last part onwards. Okay, let's read from last part of 17. And he said, I will send 39, sorry, 39. 39. Sorry. 39? Sorry, where uh... No. No, 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 no. Sorry, excuse me. Just keep quickly. Is it 39? Where uh, Joseph is in search for his brothers. Where is that verse? 39? 38? 36? 36? Genesis 36 if I'm right. Yeah, 36 please. 36. Genesis 36. Hmm? Or, wait, hold on, hold on, sorry. Uh, 37. 37, yeah. Genesis 37 and read from verse 16 onwards. So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. Sorry, it is 37. Okay. And the man said, they have departed from here for I have heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Look at what happens. Verse 18. Now when they saw him from afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into the pit and we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall say, what will become of his dreams? And who heard it? Look at Reuben. Reuben heard it and he said, and he, he wanted to deliver him out of his hands and he says, let us not kill him. But do they listen? Reuben said, let us not shed blood. Cast him into the pit in the wilderness and do not lay a hand on him. On Lay hand on him. And then verse 13, 29. Reuben returned to the pit and indeed Joseph was not in the pit and he tore his clothes. And he went back to his brothers. Verse 30. The boy is in fear. How, where can I turn now? You see, he lost his influence over his brothers. Lost his influence. Verse 22. How do you know that they did not listen to him? 42, 22. Uh, Genesis 42, 22. 42.22 And Reuben answered saying, Did not I speak to you saying, Do not sin against the boy, but you would not listen. They did, he, nobody would listen. He's the eldest in the home. He's supposed to be his father's, he should be in his father's stead, but he lost his authority. No one would listen to him. You know why? Because he messed up in his life. He lost his personal battle with sin and therefore there's no authority in his life. And we in the ministry have to be very careful. We could be used by God and God would say, you know what? Lord, Lord, have you not prophesied in your name? Have you not driven out demons in your name? But God would say, depart from me. I do not know you. You workers of lawlessness. What, what is lawlessness? Rebellion. You people, you never came under authority. You don't want to... In, see, the worst thing that can happen is people don't listen to us, right? I mean, you are in the ministry and you are not influencing people. What's the whole point? I mean, influencing people to be positively. You can compromise and say, okay, everything goes. And you say, oh, look at my ministry. <laughs> we are not talking about that. We are inspiring people to live a godly life. Can we inspire people? You know why we don't? That's exactly what I'm saying. Very, very important, my dear brothers. It says, it says that he did not excel simply because he didn't have, have, did not have authority. Because he did not have authority simply because he lost his battle with sin. 
he lost his battle with Saul. Why is this important? Why is this important? Why is this such an important thing for us? Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 1. Did I say First Chronicles, First Corinthians chapter 5? It's not First Corinthians, it's First Chronicles chapter 5, okay? First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1. 1 and 2. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. Look at this, everybody, and underline it in your pens, with, in your, in your Bibles. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, he was indeed the first one. But because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of? And the son of Israel, so the genealogy, so that the genealogy is not listed according to the birthright, Yet Judah prevailed over his brothers. And from him came the ruler. Although the birthright was Joseph. And why was the birthright for Joseph's? Simply because he overcame in the sexual area. And he was zealous for his father's name. Reuben did not fear his father's name. He defiled his father's bed. And he was defeated in the sexual area and lost his birthright. For simple, stupid mandrake. That's where it starts. That's where it, you know it might look an inno- like an innocent thing, no? Mandrake looks looks very in- innocent. It, there's a dragon behind it. We don't know. That's what mandrake means. A man dragon. It's camouflage. It's a it's a viper there. It's going to destroy you. The viper of sin. You will lose your birthright. Your position as the firstborn. That's a big, why didn't he not have influence over his brothers? Simply because it is not by birth. Let me show you. <laughs> Romans chapter 9 please. Romans chapter 9. And lead flows. <sighs> Verse 10 and 11. And 12. Okay. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by her father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done anything good or evil, the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls... Verse 13 or not, till 13, okay? It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Now you might argue, Are this is sovereignty of God. But do you think that uh, people are not making those choices? Why did Esau lose his birthright? Simply because he considered it as very light. Ah, light. And you know what Bible calls him? Exactly. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12. You know, Esau has gone to hell because he deserves it. Not because God was not sovereign. Yes, God was sovereign. But he deserved to go to hell. He made his choices. 
Now therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Okay, move on bro. Verse 13. And make straight the paths for your feet. What should you do? Make straight the paths for your feet. You know why? Because gospel has lines. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Don't get distracted with mandrakes. Especially young people. All you young people are watching. Older people also. Identify your mandrakes. That easily causes you to get into pleasure. And I, I in fact, I, 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 this is my observation. The older you grow, the weaker your intensity to battle sin. All your, your, your decisions are made today so that you are set in your ways as far as sin is concerned. And make straight the paths for your feet. How do you make straight paths? I'll come to that point. Make straight the paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be. What a superb analogy. What is lame may not be dislocated. What did I say? It's unstable as water. And where does water, what does water expose in your life? That which is lame. That which is lame. That which can be easily come back. Dislocated. You know what? I, I, I had an accident when I was, uh, I, I think it was my class 8 or class 9. I dislocated my uh, my uh, elbow. Till now, it's not strong. Okay, I'll be very careful and conscious about it. Okay, and if I put intense pressure on it, it'll just go, go, go out of the socket and come back again. So I, this this holds very true to me in experience. How much for your spiritual bones? That is the reason why truth is so important, even though it looks like a skeleton and scary. But if your truth, truth is gone, you are gone. He says, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be what? Dislocated, but rather be healed. And then he says something very, very powerful. He says, pursue peace with all people and what? Holiness without which no one will see God. Looking carefully. Everybody say carefully, loudly. So there is go. Carefully. Circumspectly. Lest any one of you fall short of the grace of God. Second, lest any root of bitterness springing up. And by any means you become defiled. What is that? What is a mandrake? You know what mandrake is a root. You know that? It's it's a, it's basically a root fruit. It's like a carrot. I mean, it's very interesting. He was looking at all the fields and he was he was chopping the fields and he said, oh, "Oh, that looks interesting." And he literally pulled it out of the out of the ground. Mandrake. What is that? He says, lest any root of bitterness springs up and by this you may be defiled. And what is that root of bitterness? And he look at it, he says, lest there be, verse 16 he says, let there be any fornicator or a profane person like Esau who for one morsel of bread sold or food sold his birthright. For one stupid mandrake, he lost his position. 
And I'm telling you something, there will be such intense distractions in these last days. Lot of mandrakes which you need, you need to identify in your own lives. So that you, like Reuben, will not forsake your birthright of a firstborn and lose the authority over your life. And I'm talking to men, especially. We have all been given positions of leadership and authority in our homes. And if we are compromised, our daughters will see. Our wives will know. One weakness in our in our life, it will be easily exposed. Like Isaac had a weakness of food and it was easily exposed. Rebecca could expose that weakness easily and, and exploit it. Because he lost authority in his home. Simple. He had a position, but no authority. That's exactly what happened to Saul. Position, no authority. What is he doing? He's hiding. When the Egyptian has come and the Philistine has come, and what are they doing? They're describing the Philistine. Hey, look at the Philistine. He looks so so big. What are you supposed to do? Destroy and defeat the Philistine, not describe the Philistine. You know know why you're describing your problem? Simply because you lost authority. You lost your authority. You compromised. Little, 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 little things in your life. And you lost your birthright. And he says, verse 17, for you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit, he was like wanting it back to himself. He was rejected for he did not find place for repentance. That's what I said. Not all repentance is repentance of faith. No, 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 no. He also cried. You know why he cried? Because he lost something. And what did he lose? Positions in this world. That's all he lost. He didn't lose the eternal birthright. He didn't He didn't care about eternal things. He was light and absolutely, what he says, what do you call it? Uh, unserious about spiritual things. Absolutely unserious about spiritual things. Mm, spiritual things in these last days, Lord, make me serious about spiritual things. Lord, make me serious about spiritual things, Lord. Make me serious about spiritual things. Not useless, distractive, nonsense babblings. That's what he says. Avoid vain babblings. Which increase what? Strife. In Telugu, it's very nice. Musalamma muchatlu. Profane and vain babblings. Oh Lord, just keep me on the straight and narrow path. Straight and narrow path, Lord. Straight and narrow path. Let me fight sin. Let me have an influence over my next generation. Let me be a man of influence and authority. When people look at my life, one word that I speak will have weight. You may not be given a position in the church. But you fight sin in your life, you will have authority. You don't have to have a position. And a lot of people with position will have no authority. What do you want? Position or authority? I want authority. Who cares about position? That's a problem with, with Saul. Saul, God said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take away your throne and give it to others. He was I mean, he was fighting for what? Position. I mean, what? 
I mean, think about it. It's a lesson for us. How deceptive positions are. You think just because you're sitting on top of the people that you have the, the position and you say, you go there, you go there, but they're all serving you. You want to be looked at as a very righteous and a holy man in the, in the sight of people, but you don't care what God thinks about you. Now God has taken your kingdom forever. And he has found a man. He says, please Samuel, come back with me and stand next to me and justify me before the people. Please Samuel. He's not interested. He wouldn't go and go down on his knees and say, Lord, okay, take the kingdom, but Lord, let me have authority. Not a position. I'm not after position. Positions are dangerous. You run away from positions. And what does it say? It says, for you, for you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance. Can you change your mind? That's exactly what happened to Saul. He was given warning after warning after warning after warning after warning. And he came to a mind that his heart was hardened. He, he was given a new heart. Remember? God gave him a new heart and he was prophesying. But after a few years, slowly sin entered and he lost his authority, albeit he had a position. I mean, notwithstanding the fact that he had a position. He lost his anointing. He had a shield. What good is a shield if you don't have anointing? Anointing, in, it, it, it resembles, a, I mean, it, it stands for authority. Jesus Christ of Nazareth was anointed by the Holy Spirit and he went about doing good and casting out demons. Authority. Wherever he went, he didn't have a position, but he had authority. And he never, he is a very, it's a very interesting thing, right? He is the high priest, right? But he, did he really fight for the high priestly office? They gave him. Are you that son of the blessed one? Come on, answer me. Yes, I am the son of man. And you will see the son of man returning with the angels and seated at the right hand of God. And what does the high priest do? He tears his robe. Immediately the position of the high priest jumps from Aaron and falls into Jesus' hands. Did he fight? Did he do one thing to fight for position? No. You see, that is what we call as humbling yourself and making yourself of no reputation. Humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God so that you may be exalted in due time. Positions will be given, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't jostle for it. Jostle for authority. Say, Lord, I want authority. I want authority. I want authority. I want authority, Lord. People like positions. Who cares about positions? I mean, I'm honestly, every time I ask, say, Lord, if somebody else is better than me, Lord, take me off from this place. I mean, one, meaning, I don't want position. Let me be an influence for my people, that's all. If, I, if I'm not able to influence my people, what's the whole point of having a position? Right? I'm just occupying space. If I am not able to influence people to lead a holy life, if not able to influence people to put God first in their lives, if I'm if, if I'm not able to influence people, I've lost my position. There's no point in having a position. It's only a matter of time, it'll just go. So don't don't jostle for positions. Don't say sit at my right hand. He says, you know what? Forget about this. Let God give you a position. And if God gives you a position, nobody can take it out. 
That's exactly what happened to Joseph. Joseph was destined to rule. But one thing he never lost in his life. You know what? He never lost the authority. Wherever he went, he was a ruler. He was reigning. He had a kingly heart. That's exactly what, you know, ultimately Saul even confesses about David. You know something? He says, I'm pursuing and pursuing and pursuing. And one day after, you know, they have a confrontation with one another. And David confronts Saul's, you know, uh, attitude. And David says, and you know what Saul says? I know one day you'll be a king. You know why? Because you already have an attitude of a king. You have authority. You're able to influence your own people. When, when you say, don't strike him, they want to kill him, kill me, but you know, you have such authority that you can constrain the hands of your own people? Absolutely. You're exercising authority and one day you will be king. One day you will be king. Don't fall short of the grace of God. Don't let any root of bitterness spring up. Don't let don't be a fornicator. What is a fornicator in this case? <laughs> a guy who takes spiritual things very lightly. He is an adulterer. That's what he says, right? You adulteresses and adulteresses, adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know friendship with the world is enmity with God? And what happens over a period of time? Slowly, authority goes from your life. We don't want that, right? We don't want that, no? We don't want that. Let us, let us ask God to guard, guard our hearts. Lord, grant me the grace, Lord. Grant me the grace that I'll be serious about spiritual things. Serious about spiritual things. Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you in due time. Promotion doesn't come from the east to the, or from the west. It is, promotions come from God. He puts down one, exalts another. Don't exalt yourself before time. Come under God's authority so that one day God can give you authority. A position. And what happens? First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. Actually, yet Judah prevailed over his brothers. Okay, so 1 and 2, sorry. 1 and 2, not 2 and 3. Uh, yet Judah prevailed over his brothers and from him came a ruler, although the birthright was Joseph. So Reuben lost his birthright and who was given the birthright? Joseph was given the birthright. You know what? We are not indispensable in the kingdom of God. That's one of the lessons that I learned. I mean, I think Zach Punan also said, repeat after me and write in position several hundred times. I am not indispensable. If you, if I think, oh, nobody can be better than me in the kingdom of God. God says, I've already found out somebody after my own heart. Okay. Okay. So shut your mouth. You do whatever you're supposed to do. Be faithful in whatever God has given you. Don't jostle for positions. Have authority in your life over your sin and over your situation. Okay. I put somebody up. I put somebody down. Let nobody steal your birthright. First Samuel chapter 13. What was the destiny of Saul? And verse 13 onwards. Sorry. 
Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he has commanded you. For now the Lord, look at that, would have established your kingdom forever over Israel. Look at the destiny, the, the plan that God had for Saul. Do you think uh, the Holy Spirit was lying? Oh, you might say God is sovereign. Yeah, he is sovereign. He was sovereign over Saul's disobedience, not over his obedience, unfortunately. Think about that statement. Next verse. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. What should have Saul do? What should, what did, what should have Saul done? You know, you, you know what he should have done? He said, Lord, what about position, Lord? If I've lost, see, this is the problem with Saul. The moment he was born again and he was given a little, what do you say, success, and he goes to, I mean, Jonathan fights the war and he, build, he wins the war, he blows the trumpet. Finished. Don't blow your trumpet, Macha. Be humble. So two exhortations, no? Two exhortations. Turn to um, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, 8 to 11. And the angel of the ch- church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and who is to come, who, uh, and, uh, and who came to life. By the way, this is a, a very faithful church. Okay? Look at what is what is the, what is what God promises this church. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who say you are you are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. Do not fear of any of those things which are about to which you are about to suffer. That means you will suffer. God has already promised. You are going to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until the end and I will give you the crown of life. You will give, you will get a crown. Okay, just be faithful. No, they already got this exhortation. Okay, that they will be tested. They will be put through tribulation. Now go to another positive church, which God has always has commendations uh, to say about him. Uh, Revelation chapter 3 verses 8 onwards. 8 to, yeah, 8 onwards. This is Philadelphia. This is Smyrna. This is Philadelphia. I know your work. See, I have set before you an open door. No one can shut it. For you have little strength, you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. You also are going through suffering. But look at what he says. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will, I also will keep you from the... No, that church said, God said, you will be tested. You will go through tribulation. And this church, God says, I'm going to keep you from the hour of testing, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And look at this. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. Look at this. Now tell me which is the more dangerous church to be in. Church? Philadelphia or Smyrna? Smyrna says you will be tested. And I will give you. Here he says, hold fast, let nobody steal your crown. Kya baat hai? Dangerous, 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 dangerous. 
That means I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial. And when I'm keeping you from the hour of trial, hold fast to me. Otherwise, somebody will come and take it, steal your crown. That means if he, they would not have if they would not would not have obeyed and taken this exhortation seriously, the crown that was supposed to be theirs, pastor, the pastor particularly of this church, because every pastor will get ultimately the what of glory, the crown of glory. You know what? What is going to happen? Somebody else will get the crown and he will be regretting all eternity when he sees his name on a crown and somebody else on somebody else's head. Can you imagine? Gold medal supposed to be for Vijay on Peter. And all eternity. Hi Pastor Vijay, I have your gold medal. Thank you. Bye-bye. Udrava. No, 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 no. Maybe if there was a washroom in heaven, I might go there and just beat myself up. I don't know. <laughs> I'll go and weep. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what will happen. You all have competitive attitude, no? Nobody wants to share position number one in the school. But the problem is, people are so light about spiritual things. Slow light about spiritual things. If if you tell them, you know what, somebody might take your crown. What crown? Crown? They are all children. Anna, buchodu, stranu, buchodu, antichrist. They are not looking for Jesus. They are not waiting for Jesus, like Master said. They want to keep themselves from Buchodu. Buchodu. Buchodam, Buchodu. <laughs> you know, they'll sing that song, now, children, when they were, when they're being, uh, fed food in their homes. Buchodu See? Important for us to understand. Therefore, this question is, are we serious about spiritual things? Are we serious about spiritual things this morning? I'm, I'm talking to all my young brothers and sisters. First and older brothers and sisters too. Or let me put it, young brothers and sisters and older fathers and mothers. Do you think take spiritual things seriously? Or light? Appetite? Do you want to have an influence over your children? Mothers and fathers? That when fathers say something, they will obey? Do you have that authority? Sunday morning, 6.30, Abigail, get up, get up, that's it. You know why? We are all supposed to be at church on time. That is the reason why, you know what God tells Abraham? God tells about Abraham, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, knowing that Abraham is going to become a big nation or a giant, powerful nation, for he will command his children after him to follow the precepts of the Lord? He will have influence over his children. So when Isaac, when, when Abraham divides, divides his property, he gives Isaac his, his estate and he gives gifts to all his other sons. Nobody lifts a word. Everybody shuts their mouth. You know why? Because he has authority. He has authority. 
You know why he's able to go and fight the 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 the, the five armies in so, in, in Sodom uh, against uh, I mean so five armies in Sodom. You know why? Because he has authority. Simply even with 300 soldiers is able to do it. You know why? Those 300 trained soldiers will listen to his word. God is able to do with few or with many. The fewer the better for God. Because he says when uh, Gideon has his 32,000 people, whoever is fearful let him go 22,000 leave. You know why? Because if those fellows are allowed, they will weaken the hearts of the others. So God says let the fearful leave. Then I will test the rest of the world. Whether they will have authority over their senses or not. And then 300. He says, this is enough for me. It's a very interesting number. 300 soldiers Gideon had, 300 odd soldiers Abraham, Abraham had. And God needs only a few people. Because only those few people will listen to him. They will be the only few people who will come under authority. And because they come under authority, God is able to give them authority. Because they are not jostling for positions. And they will be able to influence the next generation and fight the battles of God. Fight the battles of God. Look at look at this guy Joshua. Joshua, tomorrow you're gonna to go and fight. That's exactly how Joshua is introduced into our into the into the entire picture. Joshua, tomorrow you're gonna to go and fight the Amalekites. No questions asked. Get a few young men, go and fight. Takes his horse, takes the young man, goes and fights. No questions asked. No questions. Why should I do it? Why are you not coming? Huh? You will go and pray. I should go and fight. Nothing of that sort. Huh? You should, you, you should go in, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, buses and cars and scooters and autos and you will go in the car. Nadamacha. See? So can Reuben be restored? We'll finish this, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 33. And verse 6. I love this, no? Jacob pronounces something. Moses, ah, a picture of Christ. Your father might have pronounced something over your life. But Jesus can change your destiny. I love this. Moses, a picture of Jesus. Let Reuben live and not die, nor let his men be few. See tomorrow. I can't do it on camera. Nowadays I'm saying, if people are saying that you're getting overexcited, I'm just trying to control myself. I'm exercising sober-mindedness, okay? <laughs> okay. Let Reuben die and not, uh, sorry, live and not die, nor let his men be few. R, R, R. Triple R. Reuben, repent and be ruthless. What did I say? Reuben, repent and be ruthless. First, repent. Reuben, repent. That is what live. Turn from your wickedness. Turn from all your stupidity. Repent, Reuben. If you have messed up in your life, 
if you have got tempted and succumbed to mandrakes in your life. God is a God who is able to restore you. Otherwise, why are we studying the Bible? But just just because God is a God who restores you doesn't mean that you can be light. Now be serious. Be ruthless. You are very light. Now be ruthless. How how can Reuben continue in life? Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Uh, verse 12 to 14. Okay. Therefore, brothers, we are debtor not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And what is the promise? What did uh, Moses say about Reuben? You will live. You will not die, but you will live. So Reuben, don't don't live according to your flesh and you will live. How will you live? But if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. That's what I said. Repent and be ruthless. For as many as are led by the children, spirit of God, they are what? The Reubens of God. No. What does Reuben mean? Look a son. Ruben means what? Behold the sun. Behold the sun. Be led to be filled with the spirit and to put to death the deeds of your body. There is no other option. Plan B ledu. There is no other way. If you do not kill sin, like Pastor John Piper said, no? He said, if you do not kill sin, Sin will kill you. Are they? And who is this written to? This is not written to the people who are outside. This is written to the people in the kingdom. Right? Is the Romans written to the to the Gentiles in Rome or to the church in Rome? Ah, to the church in Rome. He is not, so the, the person who is reading in the church, he is not going to read this letter and say, oh, 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 hey you Gentiles, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you live. Will he say that? No, no, no. He's going to say, oh my goodness, he's telling to me. He's speaking to me. And if you're a child, you're what? You're carnal and not spiritual. Be ruthless. Be ruthless. In other words, don't defile yourself with mandrakes. Revelation chapter 7 verses 4 to 5. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of the tribes of of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 sealed. Thank you Jesus. Who are these 144,000 people? Revelation chapter 14, verses 3 onwards. They sang as it were the new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth, among whom were also 12,000 Reubenites. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 4. These are the ones who were not defiled with. Hallelujah. Women, they understood now. No more mandrakes, Baba, in my life. For they are virgins. Can you imagine God can call you a virgin even if you have defiled yourself? Wow. Bible is a Bible of hope. 
These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the what of God? First fruits of to God and to the Lamb. Can you can you can you just say Hallelujah for that? Hallelujah for that. You can be redeemed, my dear brothers, but you have to be ruthless. R R R. क्या बात है? Not Rajamoli, but Jesus Christ. Ruben, repent, be ruthless. Otherwise, somebody will steal your crown. Don't let anyone steal your crown. What about Simeon and Levi? We'll talk about that later. Okay. We'll pray now. <laughs> we'll pray. We'll pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Father. You're a good God. Your mercy and yours forever. You're always on time. Father, enable us not to let anyone steal our crown. <laughs> enable us to hold fast to you. Hold fast, you said, you asked Timothy, to the, to the, to the pattern of sound words that I've spoken to you. And let all those brothers who thought that they messed up, including all of us, oh Lord, we all messed up. We all, we all got tempted with mandrakes in our lives. We were not all serious about the harvest. Forgive us, Lord. And grant us to, the grace to be ruthless with sin. Ruthless. That we, we by the Spirit will put to death the deeds of the body. Lord, that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That we will be accountable to one another. If our eye causes us to sin, we will pluck it out. If our computer causes us to sin, we will throw it out. If our laptop causes us to sin, we will throw it out. If our iPad causes us to sin, we will throw it out. If our mobile phone causes us to sin, we will throw it out and we will take a normal phone. Lord, we will not waste our time, O Lord Jesus. We will be focused. We will not be the people who will be beating aimlessly in the air. But Lord, we will make every punch count for the kingdom of God. Grant us grace, O Lord, to that end we pray. Strengthen us, O Lord. Strengthen us. Let there be no fornicator or a profane person like Esau in our lives, O Lord. In our, even beginning with me, O Lord. That for a one morsel of food, he will sell his birthright. But afterward, even if you sought it with tears, he couldn't find place for repentance. Lord, 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 Lord. Have mercy upon us. And grant us continuous repentance, Lord. Grant us continuous repentance. And let these be the days where we will examine our hearts and we will, Lord, purpose in our hearts and our minds not to defile ourselves and not to sell our birthrights for temporal earthly pleasures. Thank you, Father. Bless us and continue, Father, to speak to us in these days. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.